Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. Real Life Church. We are so glad you're worshiping with us this morning. Now whether you're attending, you're attending church online or right here at Kentucky Trail, we just want to invite you to get on your feet, sing along, because we're going to experience God's relentless love this morning.
that we get to serve a God who chases after you, who pursues you. How amazing is it that he loves us that much?
Father, to serve a God who is so worthy of the, of the name and the praise that we bring you, Father, every day. God, I'm thankful that we can be in your presence in this place today, God, with the freedom just to worship you, Father, to surrender our hearts, God. Father, I pray that you help us just to continue in this reverent place, Father, just to worship you truly with everything else surrendered.
this morning, if he's never failed you yet, if his promise still stands in your life, give him a big shout of praise. Come on, real life, for all he's done and for all he's going to do. Let's just give him all of our praise this morning. Man, do you feel good after all that? Man, I sure feel good. I feel good worshiping with you today. You look good, real life. You sound even better. Go ahead and give a smile, give a wave to someone around you, and we're going to give, and while you do that, go ahead and have a seat. We're going to give a huge shout out to everyone joining us online. We're just so honored that you chose to click on here and join us and see what we're doing here at KT. So everybody here in the room, can we give them a big shout to everybody joining us online today? Let's make them feel welcome. Come on. Yeah, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. You might be in this room today, you might be online, and this might be your first time with us here at Real Life Church. And if that's the case, I wanna say, wow, we are so honored that you're our guest today. And in fact, I would love for you right now, if you're brand new, get your phone out, and I want you to text RLNEW to 97000. And all that's gonna do is just get you in touch with someone on our connection team sometime this week. No one's gonna harass you. No one's showing up at your house. We just want to reach out, answer any questions you might have, and just make you feel at home here at Real Life Church. Once again, we're so glad you're here. If you were here in the room today and you're brand new, do that, what I just said, and then come see us out here at the New Here booth right after this gathering. We have a free gift for you, just our small way of saying, Thanks for being here. You know, here at Real Life Church, we're a church on a mission. And that mission is to see people far from God discover their real life and purpose in Jesus. And another way we say that, we're a church for the unchurched. So you might be watching online and this online, this is the first experience with church you've had maybe ever. Maybe you've been burned in the past before and you just decided, well, I'm at home, I'll click on a link. I believe that God has a purpose for that. And especially those of you here in the room today, taking that huge step of just going to a new place, seeing some people you've never seen before, thinking about all those things, like I said, you might associate church with. We hope that here at Real Life, you could breathe a big sigh of relief when you come through that door. And hey, maybe you're not new. Maybe you've been here for a while. This is an awesome way for you to invite friends and family and neighbors. I know we all got them, people that just need some Jesus. And this is a great place to do it. We just wanna make everyone feel so comfortable. You belong at Real Life, no matter where you are in your journey. Speaking of journeys, there might be some people here today or online, you've been watching for a while, you've been coming here for a while, you like what's going on, you're getting fed each week, you're worshiping with this awesome group of people, and you might be saying, man, I wonder what my next step is. I wonder what I need to do to stop just coming to church and really, really plant some roots and see what's going on here in real life. Well, today, I wanna to encourage you to check out Next Steps. We have four different Next Steps. Today's a really good one, it's Dream Team. So the Dream Team, they're the group of believers here in real life that puts all this up. I mean, you almost wouldn't believe that this is an elementary school on Monday through Saturday, right? They work so hard getting things set up, praying for people through the week, ministering in the community. There are so many ways that you could be a part of the dream team. And I would just encourage you, if God's been laying that on your heart, that you just wanna see what that next step is, come check us out. We'll be right here in the Next Steps room right after this gathering, uh, telling you all about the dream team, who we are, where we're going, and how you might play a part in the future of real life. We, we'd love to see you there. Oh boy, here we go. We got a good one today. Woo. 
telling you what, uh, I hope you wore some steel-toed boots because some toes might be getting stepped on today. I'm just kidding. Or am I? Or am I? No, this is a good one. I tease, I tease. You know, 2020 has been wacky. It's been bad. You know, overall C minus, D plus, if we're being real here. Um, and one of the worst parts of 2020 has been this, right? Red versus blue. You know, you can't watch a game without 15 political commercials in a row. Let me hear from somebody who's ready for this season to be done, man. I know I am, yes, praise God, let's just get this over with, because you know what? It's dividing people, and that's really the shame of it all. It's annoying, yeah, but it's causing division. So today, Barry is gonna lead us in an awesome word this morning. He's gonna help us zoom out and kind of look at things from a biblical perspective, from a godly perspective, about where we should be as Christians during this time. So I hope y'all had a cup of joe this morning, because Barry, He's been biding his time. He's ready to give you this message. And I promise now, before you start booing me, this message is going to trump anything you'll hear this weekend. So get up. It's funnier than that. Come on, man. Throw some ha-ha's on the screen. Help me out online. No, here's Barry. Give it up for Barry Hart. It's going to be a good one. Man, Drew, I like that joke. I, I told the first gathering this morning, uh, Holly put the Knicks on it, but I gave him the permission. I thought it was a great joke. Who likes being on sides? Who likes picking sides, all right? We all like to do that. Here at Real Life, we talk about a lot of heavy subjects. If you guys were here last week, Pastor Sean did a great, brought a great message on suicide. Today, I get to talk about homicide, right? We get to kill each other over all politics. That's what usually happens, because we always get, we get something crazy and we want to fight about it. But here's the thing, we, we always pick sides about a lot of different things, and some things are fun. Some things are fun just to, to get an argument about or just pick a different side. Remember growing up, and probably still today, maybe some of you fall on this bandwagon. You get in the side of Ford versus what? Chevy, Chevy right? Who's right? <laughs> See, that's right. It's Ford, if you guys didn't know. Uh, sweet versus what? What kind of snacks you like? Sweet versus what? Salty or sour? Depends on, you know, depends on who you are. People get in arguments about that. I like the sweets, so though. If you look at me, you get a little soft right here. I'm a cat person. I'm a dog person. I have, we have all these preferences, and they're, they're, they can be fun. You know, we, we like to have a good time with them. But sometimes we pick sides where the issue becomes a little more heated. It becomes a little more divisive, like Drew was talking about. And we just get a little more, uh, a little more, a little more emotional. You start feeling the blood boil. You start feeling the, the temperature rising a little bit here when you talk to somebody about politics, about how you're going to vote or who you should vote for. So it becomes an issue where people can get, just get upset with each other. And so what we want to talk about today is, uh, is going to be from a higher level. And I want to encourage you guys to come back next week because Pastor Sean's going to dive into maybe some of the, 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 the details about, you know, how we can pick up biblical values from each party. And so he'll bring some encouragement, some vision, just a great message next week. So don't miss that. But again, I'm going to stay at 30,000 feet. And so we're going to talk about two different things when it comes to how does a Christian take sides? And we're going to talk about what's your perception of the world? And secondly, we're going to talk about what's your position in the world as a Christian. Before we get started, though, let's pray. God, we come before you. God, I just pray that we have a, a united heart today as, uh, as people of God and people at Real Life. God, I just pray that we, we have the best in mind for those that are around us, especially for those that we don't always see eye to eye with, those that we might disagree with, politically speaking. God, I just pray that, you're, that you unite our hearts. God, give us a, a, a spirit of unity, a spirit of charity, just, God, a spirit of love. And God, we just lift up all these things in your name. Amen. So here's what I want you guys to do with me. I like a little bit of audience participation. We're talking about taking sides, so I want you guys to repeat after me. What side, what side are you on? Are you on? 
Nobody wants to be that captain of the fence riding team, right? We always want to know, all right, which side are you on? Well, I'm on this side, and they're on that side. And it becomes very defined and lets you everybody know, I'm in my camp, and I have my friends, I have my, my allies, and on that other side, those are the enemies. Those are the people that I disagree with. Those are the people that are wrong, right? That's right. <laughs> so where does that come from? How did we get to that spot? Well, I want you guys to think about it this way. The first thing that we're going to talk about is what side am I on? A lot of that comes from what's your perception of the world? Because how you see the world, what your perception is of it, will determine what you value. And what you value will determine on how you vote or what party you align with. But before we get into Democrat versus Republican or liberal versus conservative, I want you guys to go back in time. This may be longer for some of us than others because we have some students here, but think of back when you guys were in class. Did you guys ever think about if you were conservative or liberal when you were in elementary school? Probably not. You never thought about if you were a Democrat or Republican. But we divided up a little differently back then, right? You divided up on who wanted to sit in the front of the class versus who wanted to sit in the back of the class. You guys all know where you guys preferred, where you like to be at. So in the front of the class, who you like to sit up there? The butt kissers, the teacher's pets, People that thought they were so smart. How many, all right, I gotta ask, how many people love to sit in the front of the class? We got some hands out there. All right, I know where the rest of you guys like to sit, right? In the back, who's my back of the class people? I know Elkins, I knew you were. <clears throat> he was right back, I was right, th I was right there back there with, uh, with, with that crew. And it's not that I didn't do in school, uh, didn't do well in school, I did. But I prefer to be in back in the class because in the back of the class you can hide. So who sits back there? Sometimes the people that have insecurities. I hate public speaking. I didn't want to get called on. And I don't know why I'm up here, Pastor Sean, but you put me up here, right? The rebel. The rebels sit back there. I had some great times with uh, actually some of Randy's family. <laughs> Brothers throwing chairs and stuff in Spanish class. <clears throat> it was a good time. They didn't want to be there for that class especially. So they had the rebel. You had the instigators. This is also me. So, sorry, Mrs. Oaks, my third grade, third grade teacher, that wasn't, that wasn't Brad's idea to stick that whoopee cushion underneath your chair. That was mine. You can pull that kind of stuff off from the back of the class. So I want you guys to think, though, when you're sitting in the front of the class, you have a different perception than when you sit in the back, right? Because we've all been in that position. We've been in the front of the class. We've been in the back of the class. And when you're in the front, there's a lot of things that you miss. There's a lot of things you don't see. You have a different view of the world when you sit at the back. What do you see at the back of the class that you don't see at the front? You see notes getting passed. Uh-oh, Drew's, Drew's passing a love note to Holly. I think they're starting a relationship. They love each other, XOXO, right? You see who's cheating off of who. You shouldn't be cheating off that guy. You're gonna, you're gonna have a bad grade. You see who's sneaking food into class. They're pulling the Snickers and the Coke out of their desk. You see all that from the back of the class. So you have a different perception. Well, I don't, one of the things that I saw, and maybe, I don't know if you guys ever experienced this as well, but we all had somebody in our class that was the problem child, right? Somebody got labeled the bad kid. Somebody that the teacher could never corral, was always out there, was always making disruption, distraction. And everybody saw that, whether you were at the front or the back. You always saw the issues that this kid had. And everybody put a label on him. Everybody had a perception of who he was. Because he was so loud, he was so distracting, you could not, you could not know who he was. And most of the time, everybody was over this kid. They didn't like him. They didn't want to be his friend. They didn't want to hang out with him. But at the back of the class, sometimes, if you were close enough, you could see some of the issues that this kid was going through that the front of the class didn't see. <clears throat> at the back of the class, maybe you saw the fresh bruises on the back of his legs or on the back of his arms. 
Or, or maybe you saw the cigarette burns that nobody else in the front, maybe not even the teacher could see. And so when you're at the back of the class and you see those things, and I saw those things, it starts changing your perception. It starts making you think, what is this kid going through that I'm not that's making him act the way that he does? Maybe his perception, maybe his experience of the world is coloring how he is, how he behaves, how he looks at the world, what he values. Maybe he has insecurities and fears because of what he's been through. Maybe he has a different perception than I do because of what he's gone through. And I think that's the case. And I thought when, when we talk about people on the other side of whatever it issue, but especially when it comes to politics and the issues that surround that. Because so often, and I'm guilty of this all the time, I look at the group on the other side that holds the other position, whatever it is, and I'm like, how did that person get there? How could they be so dumb? How could they not see the light? Because this is, issue is so clear. You should be able to do this. You need to do that. This person should be elected. That people should be elected. But it doesn't always work out that way. And I think back to the kid that I saw in the back of the class, and I'm like, maybe somebody else is seeing an issue different than I am. Maybe they've, maybe they've got a burn Maybe not physically or a bruise and maybe not physically, but maybe it's in here or maybe it's up here. And maybe that colors what they've been through or how they see the world, what they value, or what they want to vote for. And I think that's absolutely true. I think when we, when we keep humble and we, we keep cognizant that people don't always see the way that we do it, and we acknowledge that there are different ways to look at the world, and maybe I don't have all the answers, and that's the other thing that's hard for me because I always want to be right. Maybe, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there's some information that I've overlooked, willingly or not. Maybe that person can teach me something. Because I learned a lot from the kid at the back of the class that had been abused. I learned how to handle and overcome. And those are things that we can do when we see people that, that we divide over politics with. Maybe there's something that we can learn from them. Because how we vote, what we value, what we want from our country is based on our perceptions again. It's based on our values. So, for example... <clears throat> I think about these are two divergent groups, and I'll never understand how they see the world, but I have to understand that maybe they see the world in a different way than I do. I'll never understand or see the world in the same way that a single mom that's raising kids on her own will. She's struggling to, to put food on the table, and she's making decisions whether it's you know buy Johnny tennis shoes this week or pay the rent. She stays up at night <clears throat> trying to make those decisions. So how she sees the world, her perception of it, is going to be completely and vastly different than what I have or have been through. And I'll never, ever understand completely. She will vote and she will value things differently than I will, most likely. Or how about on the other side? You think of a CEO, so maybe it's a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, and everybody here is like, I'll trade places with that guy. Because he's got the two houses, he's got the three boats, he's got everything that we thought we would want, financially speaking. And we think that guy's got it all made. And we assume that he's going to vote a certain way just to protect that lifestyle, to protect what he has already. But I heard a great, a great story from a guy one time, and he, he fit that bill. He was a CEO, had thousands of people that worked for him. And I had never thought about this. And he said, there are so many nights that I go to bed and I can't sleep because I'm worrying about my employees. Because if I make a bad decision, I put all these people out of work, and they all have families that are depending on me to do the right thing. He's in having millions of stockholders. Their retirements are counting on him to make the right decisions. I'll never understand his world. I never have the perception that he does. And his perception will affect how he votes. And so when we deal with people that have different perceptions and different values, I think God calls us to have this. 
grace. We have to have an understanding, humility to understand that they see the world in a different way than we do. And it's natural. And God doesn't always call us just to give us or give us our truth to them, which he calls us to do. But sometimes I think he calls us to give grace just as much. Paul has this great verse in Ephesians chapter 4. If you guys will read along with me. And Paul's encouragement to the church, to you guys, is this. In, four, in Ephesians 4.2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Paul's writing this to the church of Ephesus. So he's, basically he's talking to you guys. He's talking to me. Why does he give us this encouragement? Why does he tell us this? Be, you know, be humble. Be patient. I think it's for several reasons. It's this. Guess what? The world's broken. Things are going to happen. People are messy. It's not always going to go smooth. I'm not always going to agree with, we're not always going to agree with each other. So the overarching, overarching idea is this, isn't to fight, it's to come together, it's to be united. God, or Paul knew that only through the church being united through grace, that the watching world would say, hey, there's something different about these people. Because even when they don't agree, they still care about each other. They still love each other. And so my encouragement for you guys on this point, don't let your perception determine somebody else's value. Is there somebody that you're having a disagreement with or might have a disagreement with? And they need to know that God cares about them more than they need to know that you're right about a certain subject or a certain topic or a certain person. Who does God giving you in your life, giving you an opportunity to show grace to and not just your truth? So that's your perception. Your perception of the world determines your values and how we vote. It, def it often defines what side you're on. Secondly, position. Repeat after me one more time. What side, what side? Are, you are you on? We always pick a side. We always have a position. Think about the positions you guys have in your, in just your everyday normal life. A lot of you guys call yourselves dad or call yourselves mom. Maybe you call yourself a friend. Maybe you call yourself, maybe you're an employer. Maybe you're an employee. We all have these identities based on our positions, the roles that we fulfill. We, some of us, we even have weird ones. I like, you know, my wife, she's got some, she has some great titles, some great identities. She's mom, she's friend, she's spouse. At Culver's, though, she's the crazy church lady. Because every, <laughs> every week after teardown, one of the easiest things for us to do, because we have a lot of kids and we have a lot of kids that hang out with us. So Christy's every week going through Culver's and she gets like 10 to 12, 15 value meals, those kids meals. And they're like, the crazy church ladies here. So that's my wife's identity at Culver's. Every four years, or whenever something political happens, though, we put away those identities, or we put them down here on the bottom shelf, and we take on other identities that we think are more important. I'm a lobbyist. I'm a protester. I'm a voter. And those are the things that determine who I am or how I see the world. And I think God calls us not only to do that, because I think he wants us to, to fulfill those roles, he wants us to do well, but he has a higher position for you. So I want you guys to read with me in 2 Corinthians. It's another passage from Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5.20. What does God have for you? What is God's position? What has God called you to do? He says in tw verse 20, he says this, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, some of us, we got to stretch back to think about what an ambassador is, right? Or if you follow the news or politics, you kind of know what it is. But it's not a word that we just throw around every day, all right? Well, you're the ambassador to Raymore. You're the ambassador to Missouri. We just, we just don't use that word. But if you follow politics, our country sends out ambassadors all around the world. And here's what an ambassador does. 
is that an ambassador is somebody that is called from a country to go live in another foreign country. So that's what he does. The second thing an ambassador does is this, is that an ambassador works for the best for the country that he's called to while remembering he's on a mission from the country he's called from. So they live, whether it's Russia, Bolivia, wherever, they want the best for that country, but they don't forget they're from the United States if we're talking about our ambassadors. So an ambassador works for peace. They do the best to make things go, go well. Because as screwed as up as our political system is, and everybody knows it is, you can't watch a debate, you can't watch the, a rally and just know all the issues and not know that there's a problem. But we have it so much better than so many places in the country. Because in a lot of places in this world, they end and decide their political battles at the end of a gun or at the edge of a sword. And we haven't got there, and hopefully we never will. But an ambassador fosters peace. That's what their job is. And so the, lastly, here's the thing you need to know about an ambassador. Who decides who an ambassador is? Well, in the United States, an ambassador serves at the pleasure of the president, whoever that is. He gets to pick out all the ambassadors they want. He can either leave them, he can change them, he can do whatever he wants to do. That's his job, that's what he gets to do. Well, you guys are ambassadors for God, and we serve at the pleasure of Jesus. So God sends you out knowing that he's given you this position, a position to, to foster peace, to, to, to work for the best of where we're at, whether it's in Belton Ram or United States, or if you're called somewhere else. You're called to be an ambassador for God and be on mission for him. So how does an ambassador fail? How does an ambassador just screw things up royally? Because believe me, I've done it. An ambassador fails when he does this. He gets involved and cares more about the politics of the country that he's called to and he cares about the mission of the country or the kingdom that he's been called from. And I've done that in my life, and maybe you've done that in your life. I told the first gathering this morning, having me come up here and talk about politics and the dangers of it is a little bit like having Willie Nelson come up here and talk about the dangers of smoking weed, right? <laughs> something just a little off here, right? Because in my life, it's been something I've bled for. It's, I've, you know, I, I've killed relationships over. But I've come back and I've realized... That was a, it was a path that wasn't productive, and I forgot my mission of what I was called to be. I was called to be an ambassador, and I have to keep that up here, and you have to keep that up here. I think about a story that happened not too recently or not too long ago in my, in my family's life where somebody failed with the position of being a peacemaker, being an ambassador. And I won't go into all the gory details, but I had two people basically in my immediate family, and they just got into it over, over money, over some details of a job. And they ended up going to court over it, and there was a huge lawsuit, and everybody was picking up sides. Well, I'm on this side, and I'm on his side. And I'm standing in the back. I'm like, hey, I don't really don't know what's right. I don't know all the issues. It doesn't look good from either side, from my opinion, but I don't know. I'm not a judge. I'm not their jury. I'm not their God. But I knew that my dad was in a position that he knew more than I did, and he was in a position where both sides respected him, almost like an ambassador going into a country where they're having a, a big political fight, and he comes in as a third party. And he can bring peace. He can make things better. So I had a conversation with my dad. I'm like, hey, this thing's about to get ugly. This thing's about to get bad. And I said, you're the only person that either side is going to listen to. And I think if you will step into that position, I think you can bring peace. And, you know, either side might not completely love the solution that you come up with or that you guys work through. But it'll be one that fosters, you know, some unity. And I think we can come out of it. I said, but if you don't, I said, what will happen is that they're going to fight, it's going to go to a lawsuit, somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose, and the next time they all sit in a room together, it won't be at Christmas or, 
or uh, next Christmas. It may be at a funeral and maybe not even then. It may be your funeral. He's like, yeah, you're right. He goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can fix this situation. I'm like, cool. That's what you need to do. Well, the issue was is it's a little bit like what we do. We naturally align with one side, right, when it's called politics. You know, naturally, you know, we may feel more comfortable on the Democratic side or we may be more comfortable on the Republican side. Well, my dad spent more and more time with one side, and he heard all the sides of that person's story, and eventually he's like, yeah, this person's 100% right. The other person is completely wrong. My dad missed this opportunity to foster peace and be an ambassador to our family, to that relationship. And I'm not a prophet. We talk about Pastor Sean always having a prophet hat on because he's right more often than not when it comes to problems in the future. But I was happy to be right in this situation. And to this day, those people will not be in the same room. And my dad lost relationships. They lost relationships because the simple fact they forgot or he forgot his position. And so my encouragement for you guys is don't forget to your position that God's called you to, to be at. God's called us to be an ambassador to a broken world. God's called us to do something great. Don't ever forget your position, even if your perceptions are different from those that are around you. I want to wrap up this way. There's a great pastor in, in Dallas, Texas. His name's Tony Evans. And I, would, I don't know if you've ever got to hear him. I would encourage you to check out some of his sermons online. Man, you'll be blessed. The guy's a powerful speaker. He can come up without notes. He can lay it down. He's a great communicator of God's word. So Tony Evans has this great retelling of a passage of scripture from Joshua. And if you don't know who Joshua is, he's the guy that took over from Moses. And Moses is the the guy that brought the Jews out of Egypt, right? Well, Moses screwed up. So Moses wasn't going to be allowed into Israel or the promised land. So after he died, Joshua was put in charge. So that's who this guy is. So Joshua is like the general. He's the president. He's the guy that's going to lead in. He's leading the charge. Well, in Joshua chapter 5, it talks about his next objective, which is Jericho. And if you've heard about Jericho, Jericho was a great city. had huge walls around it. Basically, you could never get through it. In fact, I, was, I think it was a PBS special I watched not too long ago. They've actually found the area where Jericho was at. They found all the walls that have been demolished and burned. It was a real place. So in Joshua chapter 5, you have Joshua on the scene how I'm going to take this place out. God wants me to take over. And he knew he was on God's side. He knew what God called him to do. And he was so sure of it. He'll, he was more sure that he was on God's side than we'll ever be about any issue. Whatever that is. A lot of times we know, I know I'm on God's side. I've got God's values. You know, whether you think or know it, I want you guys to know this. Joshua knew better than we'll ever know that he was on God's side. So as Joshua was standing there figuring out how he was going to take out Jericho, he sees this guy in the distance a captain of a host of an army. And this guy was standing there with a drawn sword. So Joshua's, Joshua's mom, she, she didn't raise no fool, right? What would you guys do if you were in Joshua's shoes? I need to figure out, is this guy for us or is he against us? Is he on my side or is he on the enemy's side? So that's what Joshua did. And in chapter five, Joshua goes up to this guy and he says this. He says, are you for us or are our enemies? And Joshua receives a powerful answer, one that I wouldn't have expected because Joshua is like, man, I'm on God's side, so I just need to know, you this side or are you that side? It was a binary choice. It was one or the other. And this man, this angel, he gave Joshua an answer that he didn't expect in Joshua chapter five. And he says, Joshua again says this, he goes, he goes, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no. He goes, rather, I am the captain of the host of the Lord. This guy was in charge of the Lord's army. He said, Joshua, I didn't come to take sides. He said, I came to take over. 
Can you imagine being in Joshua's spot and just knowing that here's God coming to take over a situation? Because we're so, we get so wrapped up and I'm on this side and man, I know God's here. I know God, God, God's gonna love it if I vote this way because God's gonna take charge of this party. But we have people that we go to church with and they're on this side and they're like, I don't know, you're missing it, Barry. You know, God wants us to go this way. God wants us to vote and he's gonna bless us if we vote for this party. And I think we need to hear the answer that Joshua heard. God, whose side are you on? And God's gonna say, I'm not on that side and I'm not on this side. I didn't come to take over, I, or I didn't come to take sides, I came to take over. And that's what we need to realize because it's so easy for us just to fall into this temptation to, 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 to grab this idol of being happy with a political party. And I want you guys to know this is my seventh election that I'm gonna vote in. And if you guys think about the elections you've been involved in, if you haven't got to vote, you'll, you'll, you'll soon realize this. If you're older, you'll absolutely 100% agree with me. First time I voted was in 1996. What'd they tell me? This election is the most important election of history. And you better vote the right way because if you don't, the world's gonna fall apart. And if you do, the world's gonna be saved. Well, that election came and went and nothing changed. I heard the exact same message the second time that I, I voted in an election. Man, this is the most important election of all time. If you don't vote this way, the world's gonna end. And if you do vote this way, man, we're all gonna be saved. Everything's gonna be perfect. Well, those four years came and went, and it was basically the same. And I've heard that the third and the fourth, and I've heard it the seventh. And I want you guys to know, I think there are good ways to vote, and I encourage you guys to be informed, and I encourage you guys to research and, and, and vote the way that God leads you to do it. But no matter who wins, its world is not gonna be saved based on who is in the White House. And we get so wrapped up in knowing or thinking that's what God wants from us, and that's what we put our position and our perception is, is this is the most important thing that we can deal with right now, and I just don't think it's true. I think God has something powerful for us, and we don't have to guess about what it is. In John chapter 17, God laid out what his prayer for, for us was. And I want you guys to think of it in this context. If you don't know, Jesus had 12 disciples, 12 guys that followed him day in and day out for three years. He poured his life into these people. Now, what would you guys think? If I was a leader, I'm gonna pick people that think just like me, act just like me, you know, are gonna be me. But that's not what Jesus did. Politically speaking, Jesus picked people that were on vast, differently sides. He picked people that worked with Rome, the, 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 the empire that was oppressing the Jews. He picked people that worked with him. And on the other side, he picked apostles, people that spent their life trying to overthrow Rome. They worked to overthrow them. They couldn't get any more different. They're way more different than what a Democrat or Republican ever be. But God, Jesus brought these men with differing sides and he brought them together because of why? Because Jesus had a different perception of what the world needed. Because Jesus knew he had a position that was greater than a political revolution. And he gave us this encouragement in John chapter five. I'm sorry, John chapter 17. The last thing that Jesus prays for was his disciples, right before he's getting ready to, to go and be sacrificed, to be executed. And he says this in verse 20, he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those that will believe in me through their message. He's talking about you guys, he's talking about me. Verse 21, he says, my prayer is this, that, that, that they all may be one, Father, just as you 
are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And that is a powerful prayer that Jesus gave. It was his last prayer. Would you think that's the most important thing in the world? The last thing that he prays for his disciples then and now? And he could have prayed for a million different things. He could have prayed for us to be rich. He could have prayed for us to never be sick. He could have prayed for us to have the perfect government. But again, he didn't do those things. What did he pray for? He prayed for unity. He prayed for unity in the church because he knows the ultimate solution, again, it's not the person in the White House, it's the person that is on the throne of the universe. And he knows that his passion wasn't to fix an empire, it was to fix the world. And the world didn't need that political revolution. That world needed redemption. That world needed a sacrifice. And that's what the world still needs today. It doesn't always have to have our opinion about what's right or what's wrong. And the thing that really brought this home for me is this, is that I grew up in a really, I'll put my cards on the table. I grew up in a really conservative family. I grew up in a really conservative church. And we sat in a church where they never endorsed a candidate, but you knew who you should vote for. And four years ago, we hadn't launched Real Life yet. And we were in the midst of, of getting ready and we were visiting a lot of different churches. And I visited a particular church the week after Trump got elected and beat Hillary. And my family, they were ecstatic. I, you know, I was in a position where I didn't really know who Trump was. I didn't really care for his character, but I didn't know. I was like, all right, maybe give the guy a chance. So overall, I was surrounded by people in my circles that were real happy with what had happened and who had won. Well, I visited this church that I knew to be a super fundamental, you know, Bible-loving church, great church. They weren't just some fly-by-the-night, you know, just all la-di-da. They were a solid, solid church. And I got to visit this church the week after the election. And I walk in, and man, people are just like torn apart. I see people crying. I'm like, man, did somebody die? Because I didn't know anybody here. And the pastor goes up and gives a sermon about God's kingdom, a little bit of what we talked about now. He gives some encouragement, and I realized that here were Christians, and I, it was weird that I've never experienced this before, but I've, I've experienced it since because I've got a lot of friends that are on a different political side than I am. These people love Jesus as much as I did or do, and they, they saw the world a different way, and they were upset about what had happened. And it made me reevaluate, and, and I had to think. It's like, you know, I know who these people are. I know what they've done. I know what they stand for. Maybe I'm missing something here. Maybe my perception needs to change about somebody else that might have a different, a different opinion. You know, and that, that pastor talked about, you know, who we are in Christ and what we are called to do. And I want you guys to know that we are called to be that ambassador. My encouragement, and here's my final encouragement for you guys as we wrap up. Be informed, vote. I, I think it's great. I think it's a great responsibility that we have in our country. So I would never say don't do that. Go do it. But know that your vote isn't the totality of who you are. God has given you so much more to give. And it's this. It's not a vote every four years that changes the world. It's your decision every day to love the people that you agree with and that you disagree with. Your brothers and sisters in Christ, people in the community. That's the thing that will change our country, that will change the world. It will bring the redemption and the hope that God has is by you accepting your positions as ambassadors. Would you guys pray with me? God, we come before you in prayer and God, we just thank you for who you are. God, I, I, just, I just pray that 
as we struggle with the issues of politics, we struggle with the issues of, of what values we should carry, that you, that you constantly break our hearts for those that are around us, the other, the people that don't see things the same way that we do. God, I pray that we keep humble and we keep gentle and we keep love on the front burner, not on the back burner. And God, never let our perceptions, again, determine what somebody else's value is in your eyes. I wanna pray for two groups today. And the first group I wanna pray for is the Christians that are with us, that are, are here, or maybe you're following online today. And that you're in a spot where you know the way that the country ought to go. And you have a, a candidate that you want to win. And you're so afraid that if they person doesn't or those people don't win, that you don't know what tomorrow is gonna hold. I don't know if anybody's here is like that, but I wanna pray for you. No matter what happens, no matter who is in the White House next January, I want you to know that the king of the universe is still on the throne. And no matter what happens on November the 3rd, we still have Jesus with us. And he has still called us to a mission that doesn't change depending on what election happens. If you're in that spot, just have the hope that God has something great for you. And I, I wanna pray for you. God, I pray that you give, I pray that you give hope to the hopeless today. I pray that you give security to those that feel insecure. God, help us to always remember that you are in control no matter what, and that your will will be done. And the salvation of the world doesn't depend on what happens in, in an election ballot box. God, as Christians, I pray that you give us a, a heart of charity, a, char, uh, a heart of hope, a heart of grace. And I, I pray that we spread that and we have that compassion on everybody that's around us. And that they can't deny when, we, when, when, when they see your church divide, you know, undivided and, 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 and secure in the hope that you have, even when there is division over political views, God. God, just thank you for your people that follow you today. I wanna pray for one last group today. Maybe this is your first time in church. Maybe this is your first time following online. Maybe you don't follow God. Maybe you've never made a decision for Jesus. I wanna give you some encouragement today because maybe you're in a spot where your only hope is having the right person elected. And I want you guys, if you're in that position, to know that God has something great for you. You were created, you were created for something greater than just gaining your support or gaining your vote. Because that vote fixes something you know, in this world. It's temporary. It's not eternal. God's called you, and he wants to give you something bigger. He wants to give you a relationship, that relationship that can't, that can't be taken away by time or by a bad election. So if you're in a spot where you want to make a decision for Jesus and you want to follow the creator of, of the universe and you want to find some true security, I would encourage you to pray something like this after me. God, I'm scared, and I know that I've lived a life that is full of mistakes and, and has a, a, a lot of brokenness in it. And God, I'm tired of, of carrying that weight and that burden and that guilt. And God, I'm scared about tomorrow. God, I wanna give all that over to you. I wanna give my, my today and my tomorrow and my future over to you, and I wanna accept Jesus, and I wanna make you the Lord of my life. And I ask these things in your name. If you prayed that prayer, I want you guys to know you've made the greatest decision that you could have. And we want to support you and be there with you. The last thing I want to tell you guys is this, is that, man, I love each and every one of you. 
be encouraged in a season that's full of division, full of anger, full of hate. There's nothing better than having somebody come to you and say, you know, I know that you believe a certain way, but I feel like the way you treat me supersedes that. Never forget your position as ambassadors of, of Christ. Always fulfill that role and don't let your perception determine somebody else's value. Thank you, brother. For somebody who doesn't enjoy public speaking, um, we are so blessed by you and the word that the Lord gave you to give us. So thank you, Barry, for that. You know, when I have conversations with Barry or I see Barry speaking, I get so excited because he's just so genuine. You know what I mean? And it just comes off of him and it sucks me into that. And I think of somebody who's an ambassador of Christ here at Real Life, it's the Hardys and, and what they do. And there's so many others of you too, but just in speaking of you, that genuine spirit, uh, it's just so refreshing. So thank you uh, again. But um, honestly, if that was you today, if you come to Christ, it's through that same genuine spirit that we've set up something to help you along with that. And because this is the beginning of your journey with Christ and it's absolutely incredible. So a couple of things we want you to do. You can text RLNEXT to 97000 and so somebody will just reach out to you real nonchalant, no big deal. Um, or if you go in the back, I forgot to bring it up stage, but there are these red bags on the table and inside that bag is just a Bible and just some other resources that'll help you get connected um, and kind of start you out that way and just know that we are so excited for you and what God is doing in your life. Um, also, I want to invite you to get involved with life groups. If you, uh, maybe you've been coming for a while too, you're already involved in one, great. If you're looking for one, go to reallifechurchkc.com and find one that kind of fits maybe in your schedule or maybe what's going on in your life at this moment. I just encourage you to get connected. I was involved with one last year. I'll never forget, it was so life-giving for me. Come to church on Sunday, I was just excited about what God is doing. And through the middle of the week, I was feeling a little down, you know, everything going on and I would just get recharged. It was amazing. Uh, that that was available and I had other people going through life maybe in a similar way. So you have to get connected. If you're not part of one, it doesn't matter that it's not started yet or that you didn't start yet. Just get involved. How else can I say? Just do it. Stop making excuses. I don't know what your problem is. Just do it. Okay? We good? So I want to share with you guys something else too. We talk about your generosity making a difference. And we talk about the scripture verse that God says that he loves a cheerful giver. And it's because when you participate in a very tangible way, financially, you're participating in what God is doing. And I'm so excited to hear in just a minute for you get to see a video of something that's going on. But I want to show you before we show you that, you can give in three different ways. You can go to reallifechurchkc.com. You can give there. You can text any amount to 84321. And when you do that, it just sends you a link and you can get it set up very secure. It walk you through it very easy. Or you're a little old school, maybe like me, where there's a box in the back where you can drop uh, an envelope and you can give that way. But check out this video. See what that is doing here at Real Life. Hey, Real Life, I wanna show you how your generosity is making a difference this week here at Real Life. As you know, we have an incredible youth ministry led by Carrie Kelvley. Come on, get up for Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, man, they do incredible stuff. And I wanna share some stories, can hear from Carrie and what God's doing in the life of our teens. I believe it's so powerful. Uh, we don't see this on Sunday morning, but God's just doing some stuff. So man, share with, uh, with us what God's doing in Real Life Youth. 
Yeah, so God is at work, you guys. We've got a couple of kids in our youth ministry right now, both a boy and a girl, who have had a history of just some trauma, some hurt, some pain, some abuse. And just seeing the change in them over this past year, being a part of our Real Youth Ministry on Sunday nights has been incredible. Partly due to some of our amazing youth leaders that we have that spend time every, every single week helping them. They're faith-filled and faithful people that are in their life just listening and being there. And what's really cool is them sharing their story in youth has helped some of our other students feel like they can open up and share some of their stories too. So it's been really cool yeah, that's to awesome. see that. Teens need that, you know? For sure. We often forget like how teenagers need to have adults in their life that love them and care about them. And so I'm just proud of you. I'm yeah. proud of what God's doing there. Uh, I heard you got some leaders. Yeah, so in. we also, over the past couple of months, we've had 10 to 12, 10 to 12, you guys, of our real life youth students who have said yes to Jesus and who have stepped up and taken the, the challenge to be student leaders in our area. And just this past Sunday, we had students without being asked stay afterwards and pick up trash and help load the cars. And Did they do school, that at home? I know, I don't I don't know about that. These parents are probably gonna call them out a little bit, maybe for like the help they're not giving at home. But it's been really cool That's so awesome. just to see them stepping up and taking that challenge and, and being an example to some of our adult leaders too on serving. So it's been awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, we have so many youth kids that serve on our dream team, do absolutely incredible stuff. They help tear down pipe and drape. They're in back into the kids' the team ministry. I don't be on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we do love our pipe and drape we team. Love, Come on. But man, the youth group's doing incredible stuff and God's just changing people's lives and it's awesome to see teenagers step up. I honestly believe that's one of the best mission fields we have as a church. You just reach a kid at that age with the whole life ahead of them. And so if you're not bringing your kid to youth group, I encourage you to get plugged in. It's every Sunday night, six o'clock at the Wheeler's house. You can check it out online. Uh, but we got something cool coming up. One of the biggest events all year long for the youth group. Uh, when you guys give here, you actually fund the youth ministry. And so this event is really uh, because of you guys. You make this possible. And so it's called Real Life Honda Trails. It's coming up this Friday uh, at a property here in Belton. And so kind of tell everybody, give them a picture of what's happening and then like the difference it's gonna make. Yeah, so Sean was talking about how it's a cool event. If you guys ask our students, it is the event of the year. They get excited about this event every year, like it'll get done and they're already asking when the next one is. What's awesome for me is that we get to scare teenagers. That's really fun. Um, but they get to show up, we feed them some hot dogs, they love food. And then we have some of our tour guides, we call them, that bring flashlights through a haunted trail that we've carved out through a wooded area. And then they get to end the night with s'mores. And of course we tie the gospel into it. So it's a really, really just fun filled night. Yeah, it's so. awesome night. So yeah, be inviting. Uh, if you have teenagers, bring them out, encourage them to bring people. Yes. It's just one of those events you gotta be a part of. God uses it. Uh, I know it's been the biggest event we've ran in the past. Yeah. And so we're gonna push you guys, man, bring people if you're a teenager, man, don't come alone, get your costumes on. And uh, I heard Slenderman's gonna be there and some other crazy stuff. Uh, have to come and see. Some it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, it's gonna be incredible. So give it up for our youth group, do incredible stuff. All you guys on the team, come on, let them know you love them. Uh, it's exciting what God is doing in this season. I say this all the time, that when young people, when teenagers come to Jesus and get on fire for Jesus, the whole world can change, amen? And what God is doing through real life and the Cubbies and all those involved, it's absolutely incredible. So listen, I have inside knowledge. I know people on the inside, very important people, and this is what I've been told. Last year's Haunted Trails, got like that. It was good, it was good. I'm being told that this year's Haunted Trails like this. Like when you show up, 
you might pee your pants because you're so scared. I'm just saying, I hope that's not inappropriate to say, but, and it'll probably be me. That kind of stuff scares the life out of me. There's gonna be an inflatable chicken. It's gonna jump out of the woods. I know it, I can feel it already, and I'm already terrified. But if you would like to help see Maleficent or Superman, they're here today, and see if you can get involved. Or if you wanna help maybe by donating hot dogs, crazy that a hot dog can bring somebody to Jesus, but if that's true, bring packs of it and buns and all this stuff. If you wanna get involved in that way, please do. It's so awesome to, to be a part of that and to, to see and do. Also, I always forget this, but I'm not gonna forget it today. If you need prayer, just somebody to pray with you, there's gonna be somebody up front and we would love to just pray over you. So don't skip out on that. Just please just come up. It's something awesome that we get to do here. All right, I'll shut up. Guys, you're awesome. We love you. And just remember whoever finds Jesus discovers real life and purpose. Amen, thank you. Get out of here.